Can't do it. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. Fucking thing sucks. Hello, hello. Welcome to Open Wide for some soccer. My name is Seth Vertelny. Joining me tonight, as they always do. Pablo Mauer, Thomas Floyd, MLS Soccer 2015, starting this week. Maybe. Debatable. Debatable. Well, we debated that enough last week. So, I think this week what we're going to do is just put our hands over our ears (laughs) and pretend that there's no CBA issue going on at all. Well, I I write for MLSsoccer.com, so I'm pretty used to doing that already. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Don't fire me, please, Craig. Anyways, (laughs) uh, what what are we talking about? Yeah, I mean, we're going to do a little season preview uh, in the first half of our show. And uh, then I think in the second half... If we can stomach it, we're going to dissect D.C. United's performance in Costa Rica last week and maybe look forward to the miracle on grass, which needs to take place on Wednesday at RFK. You know how there's a, there's that film, It's just I think it's just called Zidane, and it's just a one, one shot, 90 minutes on Zidane Zidane, and the soundtrack's by Mogwai. I think maybe they should do a film called Dykstra. And maybe the soundtracks by like the Benny Hill music. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Or on loop for the entire game. Yeah, ninety minutes. Just some sort of horrible death metal. You know, I don't know. Anyways, uh, poor Dykes. Let, let's shift to more pleasant topics. Yeah. So, like I said, uh, we're gonna bury our head in the sand and just pretend that MLS is definitely starting this week. And here to join us in our head burying in the sand, Sports Illustrated's. Grant Wall, joining us for a second straight year for our MLS preview edition. Grant, thanks for joining us, and where in the world are you right now? I'm in Portugal, guys. How are you? <laughs> I'm in Silver Spring, Maryland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not, quite as, uh, not quite as glamorous. What are you in, in Portugal, I, su- I suppose, covering the women's team? Yeah, Algar Cup, uh, which when you think about it, it probably should get more attention than it usually does. Uh, you got basically the top eight or nine women's soccer teams in the world uh, in one tournament. World Cup's three months away. Uh, U.S. takes on Norway on um, Wednesday, I think. Um, and then uh, get, get yeah, that figured out, Grant. I'm not staying for the whole tournament because I have to get back to Seattle on Sunday night for the start of the MLS season Fox broadcast. Um, which, you know, we're assuming that season's going to start, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, I think to agree with your point about that tournament should should get more, uh, you know, attention, I actually turned to Seth in pregame and was like, why is, uh, before I remembered it, I was like, why is uh, why is Grant in Portugal anyways? And then I was <laughs> like, you know, I saw I saw something from the Tampa Bay Rowdies account that they're in Portugal. And I was like, is, <laughs> is Grant doing some sort of Tampa Bay Rowdies in Portugal feature? Like, it doesn't really make any sense, but, you know. It's, it's my ongoing tribute to Thomas Rongan. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, well deserved. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there obviously is some ambiguity about whether the season will in fact start 
Uh, I do think that based on everything that we've been seeing, especially today, it looks more optimistic than it has been. Uh, I, I think that even if there is a strike, it's not going to be long. So I, I don't think it's inappropriate for us to preview the season and pretend that there are no labor issues going on. Is that agreed with? Is that agreeable for everybody? Yeah, that works for me. That's fun. Great. What, what else are we going to do? You know? I, I, I'm thinking, you know, I, I think 50-50, maybe slightly 55-45, the season will start on time. I do think it'll start very soon. I don't see this being a long work stoppage if there is any. Yeah, I have to say, I, I think it's been a little bit overblown. You know, some of the coverage I've seen, can MLS survive a work stoppage? What about the momentum that's being built in Orlando <laughs> and New York? It's like... If there is a work stoppage, it's not going to be very long. And people aren't going to really remember halfway through the season if the season started a think, week or two late. I think you know? when we found out in this past week that the MLS Players Union only has about $5 million kind of in their war chest, that, that to me was a sign that, you know, that, that's going to be gone in a week or two, you know, player salaries and stuff. So, I'd, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't see it stretching out past a week or two anyways. Yeah, so we're already – going against what we had been saying earlier, which is we were going to bury our head in the sand. Um, let's let's get in quick to some CCL talk. Uh, we're going to break down the DC United performance more in the second half of the show, but I'm just kind of curious to get your opinion, Grant. I mean, this tournament is starting for MLS teams in a preseason where these teams uh, from Mexico and Central America are, are in the midst of their season. I mean, how much can we put the MLS performance down to the fact that it's been in their, in their preseason or is there, is there more issues going on than just that? I think there's, it's more than just that. I think part of it is that MLS teams haven't been good enough to win CONCACAF champions league. Uh, you know, the U S or an MLS team has never qualified for the, the you know, FIFA club world cup. Uh, I, I do think that it, you know, the seasons do have an impact, though. Uh, and I've had this talk in a, in a couple of different contexts recently because I was talking about the 2022 World Cup being uh, in November, December with a friend and thinking that the advantage that the U.S. has gotten, I think, in, in some previous World Cups now with the MLS schedule being what it is, and I think there is an advantage from that. They're not the end of a long, crazy exhausting European club season in some cases, like England. Um, I think that's that scheduling has helped the U.S. with Summer World Cups in the past, and I think it might hurt the U.S. with a Summer World Cup in November, December. Um, so I, I think the the way that this is laid out in CONCACAF Champions League is, you know, it hurts MLS teams, especially against uh, the Mexican clubs. So... I, I don't understand why CONCACAF Champions League can't be taking place in one season. Um, no one's ever totally adequately explained that to me. Yeah, that was a, that was something I was wondering. Uh, Brian Strauss brought up the possibility of uh, the Champions League being run on the calendar year. And uh, I, I'm curious if if that ever gets done. Uh, one, one team that I know has... Uh, We've talked about how this Champions League format can hurt MLS teams. Obviously, in this case, we have the LA Galaxy aren't in the knockout stage. They're the defending MLS Cup champion, and you always wonder how they would do. 
uh, kind of shifting to that topic, like what? How do you think uh, LA will fare this season? Where they've they've had this sort of quiet off season where they made one big splash with Steven Gerrard, who's not going to be arriving until mid season. And aside from that, they're just going into the beginning of this year, having not really improved the roster at all, but have lost two very key pieces in Landon Donovan and Marcelo Sarvas. Yeah, and and the Sarvas thing, I think, may be bigger than we realize, or bigger that's been talked about. Um, and not having Jared until midseason makes you wonder, how is this first half season going to go uh, for them? And uh, I think it may make it tougher for them to win the Supporters' Shield. Uh, I still think they are the favorite to win the MLS Cup. Uh, and, and having Jared come in, I think, will help. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be a challenge for them. And uh, it was pretty clear that the Galaxy were moving pieces to try and get Sasha Kleschen. It's pretty rare that we've seen Bruce Arena outmaneuver, particularly by the New York Red Bulls. Um, <laughs> But that appears to be what happened, and they got questioned. So uh, how how the Galaxy handles this first half of the season, I think, uh, will is something I, I'm not totally sure how they'll do. You know, Arena has a great track record of getting guys who are not outstanding MLS players or you know huge standouts to to perform well for him in near the top half of the league. I look at what he's done with Robbie Rogers, Dan Gargan, lots of guys over the years. Uh, and, you know, maybe he'll do that again. Yeah. Edson Buttle, a guy that the galaxy are adding, you wonder how much he has left, but obviously has a really great track record with that team. And you, you would suppose if anybody can squeeze one last season out of him, uh, it would be Bruce arena. Um, uh, a team that, is going to be under the microscope this year as they have been in, in recent years is Toronto FC. Uh, yet another season without the playoffs for them last year, despite spending upwards of a hundred million dollars on contracts and players and transfer fees. And uh, Thomas, you're, you're giving me a dubious it, look. I, I heard, I heard that is the hundred is the hundred million dollar accurate. That was the figure that I saw quoted. I mean, they probably didn't have to follow through with that, especially now they got rid of Jermaine Defoe. Uh, Grant, is this the year? Are they finally going to reach the promised land? And, and bear in mind, the playoffs. Bear in mind when you answer that the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> I think about it this way: like with twelve of twenty teams making the playoffs this year. Is anybody saying any team saying that we want to make the playoffs actually making a big statement? Like, <laughs> only if you're Toronto FC. <laughs> I mean, but that's the thing. Even if they do make the playoffs, and I think they will, I hope somebody writes the column that, who cares? You know? <laughs> I mean, it, 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 making the playoffs in MLS this year is nothing to brag about. Yeah, especially if you spend that kind of money. I mean... All right. Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate, actually, because I think over the last couple of years, we've heard a lot of people going on and on, Thomas Floyd being one of them, that MLS does not make their regular season important enough. And so what do they do? They add more teams to the playoffs. It, it yeah. seems a little counterintuitive. I've ranted about this particular topic enough <laughs> in the past. I'm sure our listeners are, are tired of that. But Thomas Floyd. <laughs> That's, all right, I'll, I'll rephrase this. 
I I have come out with a uh, Thomas Floyd bold prediction, which oh, does typically end up being wrong. But I think Toronto could finish first in the East. Wait, wait, wait. that's not a prediction. <laughs> Saying could. Okay. Yeah. All right. My, yeah, my. By the way, let me interrupt. Thomas made this exact same prediction last year. Yeah. I did you? I, I picked. <laughs> he did. I picked Michael Bradley to be the MLS MVP. So <laughs> that was. This is the second year running now that you're doing that. I, they're gonna do it this year. All right. So Grant, do you think there's a possibility Toronto? could finish at the top of the Eastern Conference with Javinko, with Josie Outdoor, with Demian Perqui, the new center back. <laughs> Is that how you say it? I don't know. I was guessing. <laughs> with, He's with, like uh, a Frenchman. With, He's Polish. Is that what it is? With, I, it, I think so. I, I believe so, yeah. <laughs> I, there, there have been a lot of new center backs in the Eastern Conference. It's hard to keep track. I, I recently found this yeah. out. Did you guys know that TFC has a mascot? It's a, a hawk, and its name is Bitchy. Oh, yeah, the famous Rob Stone segment. That, that was all over YouTube. He was he had the hawk on his arm with one of those gloves. And Thomas, was, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry that we don't all stay up late burning the midnight oil watching Rob Stone YouTube videos. <laughs> but There's some good ones. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Back, let me, wait, oh, hold wait. on, hold on, hold on. Let, let Grant a- answer the question. <laughs> Sorry. First off, before I answer to the, the Toronto question, I hope you've seen the YouTube of Rob Stone in the chili pepper eating video at New Mexico State. I have, but Pablo was giving me an expression that he hasn't. No, I no. haven't. But oh, man, it's so only, good. The only video I wish I had is a video of Rob Stone at the American Outlaws tailgate in Columbus. Oh, my God. That was oh. legendary. Quick, quick Rob Stone story. I think Rob wished that one would disappear, actually. <laughs> <laughs> quick Rob Stone story. Uh, a, a friend of Seth's was uh, down there. You want tell a story yeah um so for the uh the u.s mexico game in in columbus uh the most recent one a a friend of mine from dc was there just going as a fan and he texted me about an hour before the game he's like hey where are you i'm at the stadium uh we needed a ride and rob stone came by and just randomly picked us (laughs) up uh, and like, I was like, are you serious? He's like, like yeah. literally just pulls his he car just, up and he's like, hey, you guys want to ride? Get in. Yeah, like, he just – Rob Stone was driving his car to the stadium, and he just saw a few guys decked out in U.S. national team garb waiting for the bus and was like, get in. And then later on, we were eating our pregame meal in the media area, and Rob Stone sits next to us. And I didn't even say anything to him about this. And he just starts talking, and he was like, oh, yeah, like I picked up a bunch of fans on the way to the stadium. <laughs> uh, Grant, let me nice. let me transition from one dumpster Wait, fire to I, another. I still want Grant to answer the Toronto FC question. <laughs> All right, Grant, do you think they could finish at the uh... – Top of uh, top of the Eastern Conference. Sure, they could. I, I, just <laughs> I mean, anybody could. It, you know, I mean, I, I look at uh, obviously some some real talent on that team. I don't know if there's a, enough balance at this point um, to to win the East. You know, it's MLS, so anything can happen. But um, I do think that when they're setting goals for the year, I, I think they should aim a little higher than making the playoffs, and they should say, "Look, we want to finish." in the top three of the East or something like that, because, um, you know, it, it, that would be, you know, that would be something. And it's, you know, the East is wide open, um, you know, and the city's now in the West. Is it Houston in the West? They yeah. are. That, um, that's you know, and so the East, you look at those teams that are there, it's, it's going to be kind of a crapshoot, I think. So, um, I, 
Yes, Toronto's going to make the playoffs. Are you happy? Are you happy, Thomas? <laughs> I am very excited about. That. So, uh, Grant, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. I am looking forward to seeing them play. I mean, I, I think that having Altidore and Bradley and Jovenko should make for an intriguing attack that is, you know, probably a, a, a better mix, better chemistry than the guys they had there last year. So let's talk about NYCFC. It seems like a natural transition to make. Um, <laughs> As you were saying, one one dumpster fire to the next. Yeah, let's talk about. Uh, I feel like NYCFC is like a a dumpster on fire in a landfill that's on fire. Well, you know? they've they've done something pretty remarkable, and that is they've made themselves the laughing stock of the league before they ever played a game. I think. How do you do that? I think LAFC's Twitter account is doing their best to, like, seize hold it. I mean, what is with these expansion teams? They're just like, you know. But, but Orlando's isn't very good either, is it? Yeah, uh, we need to have a name for, like, a, a social media cup, like, worst social media account in MLS. <laughs> it's a couple of them, but, you know. But but through all this. Say, the, blue steel, the blue steel thing was one of the funniest things. <laughs> That is just – you would think they'd have the self-awareness to just not send that email. And I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, it's – you know, they were just asking for suggestions and, and making a few of their own. But the, the Blue Steel thing is how did nobody – has nobody we, seen can, Zoolander can we, in that office? Can like, we explain to those who are uninitiated what this was? Yeah, so NYCFC obviously sent a, a, an email to their supporters groups uh, saying that they wanted to, I guess, just name their supporters. They wanted to be, you know, known as something like the, you know, I, I don't know, whatever. Uh, Do you remember some of the options? I don't remember any of the other ones. <laughs> right. <laughs> one of the, one of the only memorable option was uh, was Blue Steel. You know, I think the reason was you know like the steel that built the skyscrapers of NYCFC. Of course, Blue Steel is the the look that Derek Zoolander perfects in Zoolander. I. I can't understand how that happened. You know, I, I joked that if they chose that, I would only refer to their fan base as the Mermen or something. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, and anyways, though, how's this team? How's this team going to fare? I, I guess two questions: How do you think they're going to do on the field? And and equally as important, I mean, can they? You know, they they have no no stadium plan even on the horizon. Can can that team thrive long term at? at a baseball stadium, you know? Well, here's what I would say just to start is as unintentionally entertaining as NYCFC has been kind of off the field over the last few months. I think on the field, Jason Christ might have a good team. And in because it's Jason Christ and because of some of the signings they've made, maybe you can expect they'll have a pretty good team, though seeing Mehdi Bellucci get so much playing time is kind of a head-scratcher. Uh, but, you know, you look at the guys that Kreis has brought in, um, you know, domestic guys, international guys, um, you know, they may be, they may be decent. Um, you know, playing in a baseball stadium, um, not ideal, not having any real immediate prospects for the stadium they want to build, not ideal. Um you know, I remember Christ when I asked him about the width of the field at, at Yankee Stadium, tried to act like it wasn't going to be an issue. Um, you know, they, they did sell. They sold, what, 14,000 season tickets? So that's something. Um, so I, I'm, I'm waiting to see now what happens on the field. And 
the vibes that everyone's been getting, including me, heading into the season are of the two expansion teams. Orlando has really good vibes. I mean, it feels like kind of a, a mini Pacific Northwest, which is amazing when you think about what a graveyard Florida has been over the years for MLS teams. That's amazing. Like They've sold out their opening game, which happens to be against NYCFC. And if Orlando wins that game, I think uh, that'll put NYCFC in, in a bit of a defensive crouch heading into their home opener. But um, yeah, I, I'm slightly surprised that the expansion team that hasn't made as big a mark is the one in New York. And I think they've, you know, they've got a lot to to try and prove here on the field. And I, and I think Christ's team is capable of doing that, though. Would you have ever figured that the team would be this much of a PR disaster? <laughs> could you have guessed? Could, could no, we have seen I, this coming? And, and, yeah, I've had a little contact with their newly hired PR folks. Um, so maybe they're getting it together over there in that way. Um, you know, I've heard positive things about Tom Glick, who is going to be, become the chief financial side guy. Uh, you know, it's weird that Tim Pernetti is leaving, announced he was leaving before the first game. Um, but Tom Glick's supposed to be a legit guy. So um, I, I guess what I would say is this. Success is hardly guaranteed for this team, no matter how much money they spent for an expansion fee and being in New York. And there is still very much the possibility for a complete pratfall um, with NYCFC. And that would have to include not doing well in the field and not doing well at the gate. Um, but there's there's a lot of question marks, put it that way. Yeah, and hopefully they have learned their lesson to not lie to their fan base <laughs> about signing a player. There was That's also that thing. Just generally not a good idea. Yeah, yeah. All right, so, yeah. so I wanted to move on to the other team in New York, the forgotten team in New York. Uh, so There's the, only one team in New York. You're talking the, about the, the team in Harrison, New Jersey. Oh. You're talking about the Cosmos. What are you? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I take a look at this Red Bulls roster, and uh, I, I think Jesse Marsh uh, could be a good fit as coach there, uh, despite the awkward situation he was thrown into after Mike Pecky's dismissal. But I look at this roster – uh, particularly the back line with not a lot of proven MLS commodities back there. And then uh, having Sasha question as your replacement for Thierry Henry. Uh, <laughs> how do you think this Red Bulls team uh, will fare this season? Because I'm a it little so bad when you put it, it that way. When you put it like that, it sounds so bad. You could have yeah. said anybody. It's kind of unfair to say that, you know, like, right. it, I, I, if I'm a Red Bulls fan, I'm a little worried about how they're going to uh, do in the Eastern Conference, even if it is the the weaker conference this year. Here's what I'll say: I, I think Jesse Marsh is a talented guy who got shafted in in Montreal, and so I, I the jury's out for me on on you know what he might be able to do here. I'm just stunned that he's having to do this on a, a really small budget. You know, and, and that's clearly the approach that Red Bull is taking with this team now. And I, you know, if you had asked me a year ago, uh, how is you know, how are the Red Bulls going to respond to the challenge of NYCFC? I basically would have said the opposite of what's happened. I, w I would have said they would replace Henri with a, an equally big name. Um, you know, they would have use all three designated player slots. 
um, you know, they would try and compete uh, and, and try and make a splash. And, you know, the essentially the opposite has happened. You know, they are pinching pennies. Uh, the foreign ownership, uh, you know, Matichitz, as far as I know, has still never been, or, or at least hasn't been in recent years, to a game in a Red Bulls game. Uh, they just don't seem to care all that much. And so uh, Ali Curtis came in, fired Mike Pecky. I, I, from what I hear, Brian Strauss uh, might have uh, had a, a, a look at Ali Curtis's 300-page manifesto, which is very exciting. Oh, oh wow. what, what, what a tease. <laughs> Um, but, um, you know, like it's, it's just such a weird situation. You know, I live in New York. There's not a lot of buzz about the Red Bulls and that was even when Henri was there and there's basically none now in New York. Is there, is there buzz about NYCFC? By the way, I I can't believe that we're, we're in a place where we wear three grown men and Grant's like. He had a look at Allie Curtis, and the three of us literally were like school schoolgirls or something like that. Like, oh my god! Just like <laughs> Brian, do tell. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, like, there's at least a little bit of like subway advertising by NYCFC uh, and some billboards and stuff in New York uh, in Manhattan. Well, um, the Red Bulls have billboards too. They're just they weren't purchased by the team; they're purchased yeah. by protesting fans. So. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I, I'm certainly hoping to see Mike Pecky in, with the fans at some point in the stands this year, especially if uh, the Red Bulls are struggling. God, that would be amazing. And then if the Red Bulls get scored on, Pecky like sarcastically cheers. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> great, great work, guys. It's got to be better. Yeah, okay. good idea firing me. Yeah, look at this product on the field. So good call. So Grant, let's let's move on here. Uh, you, in case uh, you know, for for those of you who aren't longtime listeners, Grant. Uh, did the show last year, made an MLS uh, Cup champion prediction, which very nearly came true. He picked the uh, New England Revolution, obviously, who fell just short. We're going to rattle off some uh, some predictions here. And, and by the way, Grant, before the show, told us he has a new revolution for this year. So, so it's, a, it's a new sleeper team. I'm going to guess FC Dallas. That's mine. But 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 we'll, we'll, get, we'll get there. We'll I get think there. it's Arizona United. With long time. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Well, now we're just talking about UEFA Champions League, you know? right? Um, so should we just we'll, we'll just go through? Uh, Grant, we're gonna we're gonna give you the postseason honor and give us your prediction. Maybe a, a quick justification. Uh, we'll start with Golden Boot. You know, I, I'm probably not going to be all that original here. I'm going to say Robbie Keane. I, I think that uh, this is a guy that continues to produce. Uh, I think L.A. and Bruce Arena will find people in the in the first half season, like we were talking about, to uh, to help set him up. And uh, yeah, I, I think he's the greatest designated player in the history of the league. I think he'll continue doing that. I think, uh, and and Thomas and I are on the same page here. I think uh, David Villa has a really decent chance i think he's a really well cut out for mls and historically if you look at him he's scored a lot of goals from first base so i think (laughs) (laughs) cheap shot i'll be making these nycfc baseball cheap shots all year long thank you very much yeah please um seth you have a you have a golden boot pick um yeah, I, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Grant. I, I I'm gonna go with Robbie Keane until he, he shows otherwise. He's just such a goal scorer and he'll he'll find ways. Uh Grant, what about coach of the year? It's kind of an odd one to do a preseason prediction for, but 
but coach well, of the year. Considering, by the way, that coach of the year means you'll get fired two years after you win the award. More <laughs> often than not. Um, I'm going to go with Greg Berhalter in Columbus. Uh, and uh, I might as well let the cat out of the bag and say, I, I'm not going to go so far as to predict Columbus to win MLS Cup, but I think they are the New England of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, very similar profile as to kind of barely getting into the playoffs last year, uh, using that as a learning experience. And then uh, you look at the players that have been put together there. And I, I think the ingredients are there in a wide open East um, for them to win the conference. Yeah, I, I think they're a really good-looking team. I think you go up and down the field, they have some of the best in MLS at every position. I mean, Steve Clark, one of the best goalkeepers. Michael Parkhurst is one of the best defenders. Will Trapp and Tony Chani is one of the best central midfield pairings. Uh, the one weakness they had last year was up top, and right. they have Kai Kamara now, uh, who will hopefully, from their standpoint, fill that void because – their highest scoring forward last year, Jairo Arrieta, three goals. <laughs> in case you're wondering, yes, I did write the Columbus Crew preview for a goal. <laughs> <laughs> I like Ethan Finlay a lot too, you know, and, and uh, yeah, you, you, I, I just see a team that is being put together in a really smart way. And um, while I wish Greg Berhalter were a more interesting interview, uh, I, I do think he's a good coach and uh, uh, could very easily see those guys winning the conference. Another thing we've dived to dived into on the podcast before is my man crush on Will Trap. I, <laughs> I'm I'm curious uh, if you if you see him bursting oh, onto yeah. the scene with the national team in this cycle after now that he has his first cap under his belt or yeah, being permanently exiled. For- <laughs> he played a, played a terrible game, albeit out of position, then made the mistake of saying anything negative about Jurgen Klinsmann. <laughs> Will Trap is like literally being shoved out of an, a, a helicopter right now. <laughs> piloted by Jurgen Klinsmann. It's like, oh, very funny, yeah. I didn't give you very much input. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, I forgot that quote. That was great. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would just say, yeah, I think he's a, a budding star in MLS. It's hard to predict any any sort of breakthroughs with the national team, but, you know, if I, I would think he's a guy who does some pretty special things that not many young American players can do. Uh, I, I want you to pick one, Perry Kitchener or Will Trapp. Oh, Ooh. this is a DC United podcast. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you know, upside will trap. Okay. Yeah, I, I'd I'd be inclined to agree. I mean, we have rookie of the year here. I mean, that, that's a tough one. I, I think from us here, we've been seeing a lot of Miguel Aguilar in the preseason, and we think he could win a starting spot with DC United. But I mean, honestly, I, I don't really. No, it does any. Good. I don't know if anyone really sticks out as far as that obvious shoe in rookie. Of Anybody the jump pick. out to you, Grant? Uh, no, pass. <laughs> <laughs> we we kind of figured that yeah, much. It's, it's such a crapshoot. It's, yeah, it's yeah. tough. My my shot in the dark for the goal dot com predictions since I had to have one is Axel Soyberg, if I'm pronouncing his name is right. That how you the say it? Six foot seven <laughs> center back. <laughs> Axel Soyberg. Is is that, I'm just not familiar. I'm sorry, but it's a pretty. He was a first round pick. He's really tall. I mean, I'm a fan of anybody named Axel. <laughs> the, the very short list I come up with being yeah. Axel Rose and Axel Foley. I can't really yeah. think of anybody else. You know. All right, we should move on from rookie. Uh, all right, Grant, easier one. Uh, newcomer of the year. There are a lot of can- good candidates for this one. 
it'd be funny now if I named a rookie. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Axel Soyberg's looking great. <laughs> that can't be how you say his go, name. Uh, I, I think he's still a tremendous player. Showed it down in Sao Paulo on the recent loan. Um, you know, he's still in the Brit- or Brazilian national team picture. And so uh, all indications are his injury problems are behind him, and he's going to do good stuff in MLS, and, and he seems engaged. Yeah, I saw that one little nutmeg he did in one preseason game, and in and, and some weird way I was just like, oh, yeah, it's caca. You know what I mean? Like he sort of sort of forgot the quality the guy brings to the table. The last person other than Ronaldo or Messi to win uh, Blonde Or. There you go. Yeah. Of course, wow. that, that was like eight years ago now. <laughs> exactly. uh, uh, Grant, by the way, are you surprised that uh, Grant had an interesting sit-down with uh, not Cristiano Ronaldo, but Ronaldo Phenomeno. Uh, are, are you surprised that he's actually uh, apparently planning on playing now? Um, I read I read that he has a, quote, target weight, which is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Never really a good thing when that's something that you're, you know. Yeah, I, it's it, it was a weird one because, the you know, he, he wanted to, to put that out there when I interviewed him and but then he talked about maybe just playing in the final, and I was like, huh, that's interesting. Um, what? He clearly takes his team seriously. I got this, guys. I'm going to play one game. It's cool. But, you know, like part of the, the issue was was that as ridiculous as the whole thing sounds, like you're still interviewing Ronaldo, one of the greatest players in the history of the game. Of course, so yeah. So you're – like there's an element of like I'm going to sort of act like you didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I can't say I blame you. I have, I have to do that with Pablo all the time. So. <laughs> Shut up, Grant. Uh, let's go. Give me, give me a team and a player who you think will be the biggest flop. And this is tough, actually, because I was thinking about this um, because I think he's kind of a cool guy. I, I sat down a couple times recently. Uh, let me write Phillips. Um, and he's a victim of the of his own very high expectations, I think, that he set. You know, when you tie the single-season league goal-scoring record, um, you know, the guy had 27 goals in the regular season last year, uh, was just a, a solid finisher the whole way through, very consistent, and yet Henri's gone. And, and so suddenly I, I think there's a lot of people thinking that if Henri's not there, he's not going to produce. He signed a designated player contract. Um I think a lot of this comes down to how good you think the Red Bulls might be, and and I think the I think he's going to struggle this year to to come close to what he did last year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the the question with with him is not will he drop off, but how far will he drop off? But you have to think from the Red Bulls' point of view, he's still going to have to be up near that high teens, even low twenties goal scoring total for them to have a chance. But it's it's possible that the, the drop off might be. A little bit more than that. Um, were we going to do? Were we going to do flop team flop? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, what, what do you think the biggest letdown team wise? And be? why is it the Red Bulls? <laughs> <laughs> biggest letdown team wise. That's uh, hmm. Trying to think about that. I think that DC one. United's kind of a candidate for that. That uh, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it depends on how high your expectations are. Yeah, for United, right. but you know, I I could easily see them finishing mid to lower 
you know, it's, yeah, with Fabian Espindola suspended for six games. Luis Silva's hurt right now. Eddie Johnson is uh, undergoing medical testing, the which remains a bit of a mystery as to how how serious a problem that is. Uh, yeah, they. I mean, I think there are a couple of teams in the East. The Red Bulls and DC United I could see going two very different ways. So there, there's some uh, interesting options there. Well, I look at, I guess, the last two seasons have obviously been seasons of extremes with DC United, and you get the sense that where they really are is somewhere in between. So if, if finishing in the middle of the pack would be a flop, then yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I, I look at other you know places around the league, and, and the West is going to be so competitive again. And if you look at what happened last year, Portland ended up being kind of the big flop. So many people were picking them to be supporter shield winners before the season. They didn't end up making the playoffs. Um, I think they're going to rebound this year um, a little bit and get back into the playoffs. I think their defense is going to be a lot better than it was last year. Um, and, you know, I think LA and Seattle are going to be still very good. Um you know, uh, Kansas City moving west is going to make things really interesting. Um, you know, Houston moving west. It, you know, p- potential flops, Kubo Torres, maybe maybe Houston moving to the west. Uh, not that Houston was that great last year, but Torres got a ton of money spent on him this offseason. And ever since he went to Chivas, he's barely playing. And there's also the possibility that he won't play a lot of games for Houston if he continues that Chivas loan through the first half of the season they arise with Houston and potentially could immediately leave to play for Mexico in the gold cup. That would, uh, yeah, that would, I could see Houston struggling at a tough Western conference. If, uh, that's how it goes down with him. Yeah. All right, Grant, we will let you go with one last prediction. MLS cup champions. You know what? I I think Seattle's going to win the supporter shield. I think they're going to, have more than LA in the first half of the season that'll be enough to uh, to win the supporter shield. But I, I think LA has mastered the art of peaking in at, at the right time. And uh, three out of four titles, four out of five. I, I think we would have to uh, start to wonder if this league that's set on parity actually doesn't have much parity. LA has mastered peaking at the right time, which makes them the sting of MLS. Thank you very much. <laughs> And I'll take everyone's answers off here. Thank you. Ah, <laughs> uh, whatever. Anyways, um, <laughs> Grant Wall, uh, always a pleasure. Uh, we'll have you back next year, assuming that the three of us are still alive. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I assumed was, one of us would die. I'm sorry. That was so morbid. <laughs> so yeah. dark. Yeah, it's going to be Thomas. Thomas is going to die. I Anyways. <laughs> This is the thing where if there actually is a disaster, they're going to dig this up and think you were, you did it. Nobody listens to this podcast, Thomas. All right. That's true. Grant, uh, take care. Enjoy Portugal. And hopefully we, we look to see you on television next Sunday. I guess it's still kind of up in the air. Looking forward to it. Enjoy it, guys. All right. Cheers. See you. All right. So. Grant um, Wall, always delightful. Yeah. As always, I end all my interviews with respected journalists with tantric sex jokes. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, I thought I thought most of uh, most of Grant's picks were pretty bang on. Yeah, I uh, was that another tantric sex joke. No, that was more like uh, you know English soccer commentator that was speak. Bang on, mate. Yeah, exactly. What yeah. you have on your schedule? <laughs> what was that? I couldn't oh tell God. if that was British is Robbie, or is, Australian. Is, is Robbie Musto in the apartment right now? <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I I want to talk a little more about the Red Bulls. Like they they bring in Sasha Kleschen, and I think that was a good deal. Uh, some Red Bulls fans were unhappy with losing Eric Alexander and Ayango. I think they're they're worth it to bring in Alexander and Felipe, but uh, or to bring in Kleschen and Felipe. But I don't see Kleschen as a formidable replacement for Thierry Henry on that left flank. And I think that creates problems going forward. It's going to reduce their offensive production overall. It's going to reduce Bradley Wright Phillips' production, who I can't see him replicating anything really close to that 27-goal season. And then the real issue is that back line. Uh, you've got you know, a, a McCarty-Felipe duo in front of it that's going to be less strong defensively than the McCarty-Alexander duo. And, and then uh, Zubar could be good. He's kind of an unknown commodity in MLS. And Duval str- you know, struggled at the end of last year. Perrinel never got off the bench for the Red Bulls. You, they've got Roy Miller as their most proven defender. And I think that's, that's kind of an issue when you enter the season like that. So, Thomas, uh, while you were talking there, Javier from Dallas, obviously, open wide for some soccer mega fan tweeted that he couldn't get through but he's actually sent us a recording of a song about the collective bargaining agreement he made wow. so now i haven't listened to this but uh oh but I'm, I'm just gonna hit play all right and we're gonna see what happens i'll tell you a story about which you'll be keen when the players paychecks were crappy and lean <laughs> No rights whatever to choose their own team. Their push for freedom was only a dream. By Boswell and Bradley, they'll enter the fight. All's guarded by Garber, but they have the might. (laughs) This is is incredible. Bargain and talking at day and at night. Will players surrender on minimum they might? I'll tell you a story, t'was not long ago, open wide for some soccer, all politics and blow. All they wanted was Javi, all they wanted was peace, all the listeners were suffering, now car talk will cease. (laughs) How how much longer does this go for? I think it's over. Was that him playing the harmonica? (laughs) I don't think so. Uh, Javier, <laughs> Javier just continues to find new ways to blow my mind. Yeah, that uh, I like that quality. <laughs> Sorry, that was I guess an auto loaded video after that Javier one. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like that quality is a bit higher on the recorded yeah, version. Yeah, I, I miss having my personal interactions with Javier, but I do like that we got a a nice high quality version that we can put on our ha- iPods and Javier, listen to while we work Javier out. does legitimately, by the way, sound like somebody tweeted this, the PE teacher from Beavis and Butthead. Not PE teacher, the 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 teacher, the guidance counselor. The What's f- his name? The flyaway lesbian seagull guy? No, the... I'll find his name. I'm, I'm sadly name. not familiar with this uh, particular Mike Judge program. Mm. I'm I a mean, Mike Judge fan. I just haven't gotten around to watching it. It was a little, that, was yeah, a little that, young. That was, that was a little before Thomas's time. Oh, yeah. That's that's understandable. Javier, he, he he sounded a little yeah yeah. That's the that's the flyaway lesbian seagull guy. Um, Javier, would, uh, it's Mr. I, Van Dreysen. That's okay. the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have to say. When Javier is recorded, he sounds a little depressed. I 
I'm not gonna go there. Anyway, he didn't. I mean, like he didn't. He didn't really sing. It was kind of like a a speak oh, singing. It was a very somber song. That's yeah. that's uh, true about was, the the plight of MLS players and their inability to be free agents. That's so guys, true. When he did when he did the Taylor Swift parody, he was a little more upbeat. So guys, let's talk about uh, let's double back to CCL here. Let's move on to DC United and talk about their absolute. Disaster of a performance against Alajuelense. Don't sugarcoat it, Pablo. <laughs> Sorry. It was. Uh, yeah, that was that was not good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, today uh, at RFK, Bobby Boswell, he basically worded as beforehand he thought about what the worst case scenario could be, and that that was exactly what happened. Oh, God. Uh, it's uh, they were they were just a mess. I don't know what you attribute it to. Is it? being in preseason is it playing on turf is it playing on the road is it playing in costa rica after only having a day or two to acclimate to the conditions uh is it dc just wasn't prepared is it andrew dykstra wasn't ready and was rushed back from an injury it's there are so many different things you could put this on but yeah. still it's uh, it was a very ugly game and they had a ugly defensive performance to uh, to go with it i think the strangest thing about it was this is a team that was built to not break down like this right that's a i mean yeah and for for multiple reasons i mean you have all off season you have casper nolson preaching continuity these guys are going to be more familiar with each other it's also a team where you've got five six seven mls veterans you know they know how to handle themselves and sort of difficult hostile environments uh, honestly it's the kind of thing you expected from montreal right who turned around and put two on the board against pachuca with a completely revamped roster yeah so it, it was uh i hesitate to use the word shocking because it's difficult to describe any failure of an mls team in ccl as shocking but i don't think any of us were expecting that yeah and it was shocking because the team that they were playing was not that strong. I think we saw that there were opportunities for them there throughout the game. And certainly of the teams that are left in this competition, they're probably the weakest on paper. I mean, they were the eighth seed. They were the lowest seed. Um, you know, the rest of the teams, with the exception of one, are either from MLS or Mexico. couple suspensions uh, eating at their roster. Uh, yeah, and it was just a disaster. And, you know, obviously we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Dykstra's performance. It was clearly a disaster um he was at fault or at least shared some of the blame for all five goals in my opinion I, you know we don't have to rehash them but i i think the question is did dc united mishandle him did they bring him back from injury too soon and did they make a mistake by not having a more viable alternative on the roster yeah i mean so they're to for those of you who don't know which is probably none of none of you um, obviously, he made a late scratch. Well, was said to be a late scratch, but after the game, uh, Ben Olsen seemed to imply that maybe they'd known about this for a little bit. And United's third stringer, Travis Wara, University of New Hampshire product, who they literally just signed the day before going to Costa Rica, so sort of leaves you with no option. Yeah, and uh, here's where I'll quibble with uh, how United handled the situation is uh, – DC United traded Joe Willis literally about 12 hours after MLS Cup. So they they did have the entire offseason to figure out what they wanted to do in terms of their goalkeeper depth. And they 
decided that they were fine with Dykstra as their primary backup and decided to go the route of the undrafted free agent trialist, which I, I'm going to say, hindsight is twenty twenty. I don't think any, many, if any, United fans were complaining about this before the CCL game. But in retrospect, you kind of wonder if they should have gone after a more veteran backup to at least compete with Dykstra for that spot because uh, Hamid was coming off an injury they knew about entering the offseason. Dykstra was coming off a long-term Achilles injury. And Dykstra has been on United for three years and has only played four games. He's been the third stringer most of the time. So there's not really a sample size large enough to say... This, this is a guy who we can rely on as our undisputed backup goalkeeper. He always had Joe Willis to compete with. Um, and as the undisputed backup, he stepped in in that CCL game and really let them down. Well, yeah, I mean, but I, I do think it's worth mentioning that, for example, last year he wrapped his hands around that number two spot, took it from Willis based on what coaches saw in practice. Absolutely, you know, yeah. You know, so it's not like I, – I really do think this is sort of an aberration. I, I mean – I certainly don't think you'll see Andrew Dykstra put in a performance like that again for the rest of his career. The, yeah, because he's question, not going to play again. <laughs> question, exactly, yeah, because he's been shoved out of a moving car at this point. Yeah, you know, also, but, I don't think you're going to see many goalkeepers ever put in a performance worse than that. I mean, this was like Joe Nasco levels. From- it was, yeah, it was a comprehensive dismantling of himself. <laughs> it is, I, I don't really know how, how I else mean, to put it. I mean, yeah, like two of the goals were just ludicrous. You know, the, the, you know, to me, the, the PK is really the, I mean, obviously the one where he sort of spills the cross is bad, but the PK, I mean, his, the, the player in possession of the ball is moving away towards the corner. He had two, three defenders there to take care of it. I don't, the whole point is, I don't even know what he was doing there in the first place. Right, and it was uh, it was the first domino. Right, it's it's if that if that play doesn't happen, maybe this game goes completely differently. Of course, on the I mean the the on the road in Central America, the crowd even pregame was nuts. So obviously, you give them that early goal, and it's it's pretty much all she wrote. Yeah, it's really disappointing too because they actually got that late goal from Burnbaum. And I think if they get out of there, all things considered, 4-2 is not a horrible result, you know, with the way they played, coming back home. But to just go and concede right away, right after that goal, is just such a backbreaker, especially the way they did it. Another individual error. Burnbaum, after scoring a goal with a horrible clearance, you know, you can argue that the defense didn't step up in time and then Dykstra didn't come off his line quick enough. I mean, it was a full-scale defensive breakdown Again, and that makes it real tough heading into this second leg on Wednesday. Yeah, let's talk about the second leg. Um, let's talk about what kind of a chance DC United actually have. Uh, I think Ben Olsen was asked by a Costa Rican press member after the game if the team had a chance of winning, and his answer was a very diplomatic, this is soccer. There is always a chance. <laughs> so well, it do- doesn't really tell us anything. What's, what's the, let's, let's do percentages real quick. Ten, uh, 5%. Oh, see, I, I'm more in the camp of thinking that Alahuense is, is bad at soccer and that DC <laughs> on a, on a grass field on their home turf, knowing that they need three goals can do this. I mean, that said, I'm, I'm still going to say 20%. So, I mean, you, it's not a great chance, but I think they can do it. I, I'm a little more optimistic and, than you are. Thomas, you chatted with 
uh, Fabian Espindola today, and he said that was one of the first things he said, right? Right. Was, he he his just reaction was, yeah, they're they're just not that good. Uh, like we should we should beat this team. So I I mean, can DC win three to nothing or four to one at home against a team that on paper they are superior than? It seems plausible. Yeah, certainly they have the advantage of two away goals. So, you know, as as dumb as it sounds, all they need really is three goals. You know? yeah, we, we, we know how this is going to play out. they need to win by three, I should we, say. We know how this is going to play out, right? The, the time-wasting is going to be next level by the Costa Rican side. <laughs> they will bunker in completely. You know, I just think it's going to be it's – a, it's a tough save for United to crack, honestly. You know, I mean, we've all seen we've, – we've all seen how these Central American and Mexican teams handle second legs, so – Yeah, I think certainly getting a goal – in the first half is going to be really important. You, you got to get something built. You know, you can't leave it all for the last 30 minutes of the game. You really got to sort of establish something to work off of. So an early goal would be great, but definitely leading at halftime there is going to be really ideal for them. Yeah, and uh, I'll point out Bill Hamid uh, will be back or, or should be back, according to Ben Olsen today. Uh, Marcus Halstey is out. He'll actually miss the first couple games of the MLS season, it looks like, with a uh, MCL injury. And Luis Silva is out as well. Uh, at best, Silva was you know maybe going to be a guy off the bench, but he had a soft tissue injury uh, kind of in the same area as the hamstring injury that he suffered. So he is. Uh, looks like he's going to spend another week or so on the sideline. So that's another potentially dangerous option off the bench that United won't have available in this game. Yeah, well, Hamid's back. Um, this is only a uh, hypothetical, but how many goals does DC United give up if Hamid's playing in the first leg? Uh, you, uh, well, you don't – I mean, if it's – okay, so I, the the PK goal is something 2011 Bill Hamid would – well, he did yes. against Toronto FC. If, also, if it was Bill Hamid, that player would not have survived, and the rest <laughs> of the match probably would have been canceled. <laughs> uh, Hamid uh, certainly has a reputation as being one of the more shorthanded goalies in MLS, so I don't see him bobbling that cross. And I, you know what? There's one other goal, the one that where, where Dykstra got beat to the near post low that I just – can't see Bill. He kind of dove up. over the ball. I, it went right under his yeah. arms. I, I, I'm not trying to, again, I'm not trying to bash Andrew Dykstra. We all have bad days. Luckily, my bad days aren't in Central America on a soccer field. Yeah, your I, bad I day is someone just driving down the road and all of a sudden their brakes don't work. And But, but you mean because I messed them up? Right. And then, and then I get arrested, mm-hmm. and then it's discovered that I did that intentionally, <laughs> and I go to jail for a while. Well, if and you, then when I'm in jail, I join like a hardcore, like the Mexican mafia. Is this one of those commercials? And then I get out, and then it's just this destructive cycle where I'm just. And then you become going a, back to you jail. Become a mechanic after joining the Mexican mafia to start the cycle over again. Right, and like when I come out, I've I, when I, I go in and I join the Mexican Mexican mafia, and I'm they convert me to a Liga MX fan. First of all, so I don't, I no longer care about MLS. I, I come out. You guys are like, man, Pablo's changed. Like he has sure. top button buttoned, and he just wants to talk about Pumas all the time. The, this hypothetical is getting a little out of hand. So what you're saying is, if if you cut somebody's brakes, the end result will be 
you become a Pumas I joined, fan. I joined a Mexican gang in prison, become a Pumas fan. Exactly. And yeah. then you start an alternative podcast called Abier- uh, Abierto – how do you say wide? I don't know. I don't Abre know. tu boca I'm, para un poquito de football. That's a little bit of sucker. Open, <laughs> I know. I, I open like your, open your your, what you just said, open your mouth open your for mouth a little, for bit, a little of bit of soccer. soccer. Can we change our podcast <laughs> name to that? Hello, hello. Welcome to Abre tu boca your, un poquito para un poco open, de football. Welcome to open your mouth a little bit for a little bit of soccer. Anyways, uh, yeah. Um, anything else? Anything else, boys? No, I think I think that's it. Yeah, that that that's probably. <laughs> I think a we good learn point. how to to end shows better. Yeah, maybe like five minutes well, earlier. We we can tease <laughs> our next week's episode. So everyone, join us next week for open wide for some soccer's watching paint dry during the MLS strike <laughs> episode. <laughs> Can't wait. Uh, see you then. All right, if you made it this far, we've got a special bonus for you. Javier and Dallas, unable to call in during our live show, uh, just sent this to us. It's a rendition of Paula Cole's I Don't Want to Wait, but uh, it's obviously crafted to reflect the ongoing CBA negotiations. So enjoy, and we will see you next week. So open up your player talks and say a little prayer for Mike. You know that if we are to keep alive the CBA for every side. Phone ringing, every follicle stinging. When he thought it was done, calling him. Oh, would Javi find a synonym? I don't want to wait for these talks to be over. I want to know right now what will it be. I don't want to wait for these talks. Will it be single entity?